At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. I had to let the whole thing play. I'll probably fade it out a little earlier in future episodes, but welcome everybody. This is the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. I'm here with Sam. Sam, we got a new intro, buddy. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. It's perfect, you know, as we're going into year three in about a month yeah. of the Lorecast. Yeah, yeah. So that, uh, people should recognize that song. Uh, the intro is of my own concoction. Um, but yeah, Sam had the idea. He was like, he was like, there's some other people online who have done like this like rock intro version of Leaving Home from the game. Leaving Earth. Leaving Earth. That's it. Leaving Earth. I'm, I'm bad at names. Leaving Earth. And I, I, I took all the time to put this together, listen to it, looked it up, you know, like have, have typed that in multiple times and I still get it wrong. Um, but then, yeah, Sam was like, well, it would be really cool if we can have one of these. Maybe they'll let us use it. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I could just make it. So I did. And there it is. So I hope you guys <laughs> like it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm excited because today we are talking about m- m- mass death. Yes, mass death. Um, that's the next. That's the sequel in the series. Mass death um, effect. No, but you know, on the on the topic of leaving home, leaving home is, is hard enough. Uh, <laughs> and leaving Earth was a hard scene to watch. But what we're going to talk about is even harder. <laughs> right. Uh, that's the genophage. We're, we've already referenced yeah, the we, genophage. Wait a minute. Didn't we? We already talked about this. Yeah, we did. We're now just uh, we're just doing the same episodes over and over again. That's where we're at. Yeah, you know, I've heard from a lot of cynical listeners. They're like, "How long are you even going to be able to do this?" Yeah, you know what? A lot of uh, other podcasts on the network get those questions too. I saw somebody saying things like, "Well, now that you guys are speaking about a different show, now you guys are almost done with the podcast," and I was like, 
wait, what? <laughs> like, Doug, <laughs> I why, didn't say that. Why did like it, it wasn't it's not one of my shows, but I, I asked the creators like it was in our discord. I'm like, are you guys wrapping up the, sh- the podcast? What's going on? And they're like, no, we're just almost done with this section of the content. Like, you know how you can divide up a show mm-hmm. about lore. And so maybe you're going over like all the characters. And so you're getting close to having talked about all the characters or something. That doesn't mean there aren't like hundreds of other things to discuss in in such right. in, in a big RPG or, you know, like there's so much out there. So, yeah, totally, totally understand how people. Yeah. So so just question. to quell everyone's concerns, because if you clicked on this uh, episode of the Lorecast and thought, didn't they all already talk about the genophage? Are they running out of content? No, we're not. Not even close. Uh, and we are reviewing this because we talked about it in context of other things before. Right. First time was about a hundred, like ninety-nine episodes ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, when we were talking about the Krogan rebellions, because of course the Genophage is an integral theme in that one as well. Then we talked about it again in episode nineteen about the Krogan, and we've addressed it several times since then in passing. So it's been a while since we first covered it, but there were a lot of elements that we didn't get to. Uh, we, we covered the genophage as a bioweapon, but so today, since we've been talking about medicine, it's my goal to examine it more with a scientific eye. The science of the genophage. <laughs> there we go. There yeah, we that, go. That's, that's the, we just, I didn't have that in the show notes, but we've just now come up with the title of this episode. That That's going to be the title. Okay. So let's go through and refresh everybody on how it was created and why. Right. So as people know, the Krogan had a rapid breeding rate before the genophage. It was just super fast. Like bunnies on crack. Exactly. And they had this very aggressive attitude that was fomented from the basically originally the the hostile nature of Tuchanka, where Krogan had to be aggressive to survive. And then it evolved over time. They had a nuclear winter. They were uplifted. They still retained that kind of aggressive attitude. But then they were heralded as saviors uh, of the galaxy after they defeated the Rachni. Yeah. So you combine all those factors, you get a lot of Krogan, and you get this uncontrolled expansion that goes on after the end of the Rachni Wars for about 400 years. And then they start... They start uh, colonizing worlds that are already colonized, right? <laughs> and th- that's a problem. That's a right? yeah. That's a. Mm, I don't know if that's called colonization anymore. Right. <laughs> well, actually, that would be called colonization. I mean, yeah. Well, it, I mean, I, I guess that raises a really interesting question. What is the boundary between colonization and just conquest? I think colonization assumes that the the groups you're taking over are at a lesser stage of civilization than you are. In the Mass Effect universe, I believe colonization has often referred to populating an area that is not populated with sentient life. Yeah, so, okay, I, I, can, so, I can see that too. But, um, interesting. Of course, that's not how it's been used in our world. No, um, not at all, but, yeah. But in the Mass Effect universe, I feel as if that's the way that it has been uh, kind of referred to. But the Krogan start invading, basically invading worlds, and, and it becomes a tipping point when they get to Lucia. Um, and the Asari, the council, they tell them, you need to leave because it's an Asari colony that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they're not, they're not just colonizing a world without intelligent life. No, they're this, not. This is I mean, conquest. 
and they're not great at sharing in the sandbox. <laughs> yeah, they so, don't play well with others. Sure. <laughs> right. At this time anyway. Yeah. And so this warlord, warlord Kradak barges into the council chambers and says, you know what? You want us to leave? Make us. Right. Right. And uh, for all intents and purposes, appears to assault the council. Um, that kicks off the Krogan rebellions. And despite some very clever and effective clandestine operations from the newly formed Spectres, which we did an episode all about that. If you'd like to hear more about that, go listen to that. Despite these operations, uh, knocking out power grids and, and infrastructure and things like that, the Krogan are still winning. And so from the Codex, we read, quote, from the start, the Krogan had overwhelmed the council. Only timely first contact with the Turians saved the council races. The Turians fought the Krogans to a standstill, but the sheer weight of Krogan numbers indicated the war could not be won through conventional means. And that so says th a lot about the Turians and the Turians' ability to stand up against them. It does. It says a lot about Turian military might. However, yeah. Aren't you getting a little bit of vibe from that of like, they just wouldn't quit and the Pacific <laughs> yeah. theater in World War II and the kind right. of justification, the incoming justification for using a weapon of mass destruction. Right. It, does, it didn't matter how many times we put them down or killed them or how many casualties they had. They just kept coming. And so we had to do something drastic. That's the rationale. Yeah. yeah. So Solarians developed this bioweapon that is so terrible that they believe it must scare the Krogan back to the bargaining table just by the very threat of using it. Like the nuclear option was in World War II. Yes. Uh, I'm, Which, again, also didn't work that way. They had, we right. had, it had to be used twice before it actually did the thing that people hoped it would be done just by the threat of it. I'm sure World War II scholars will have something to say about, you know, uh, diplomatic cables back and forth between the United States and how often and and to what degree the United States did try and, and wield it as a deterrent before using it. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the case of the Salarians, they did want to use it as a deterrent. The intention was not from the Salarians to immediately use this weapon to quell the rebellions. Right, right. So it's called the Genophage. And it's designed to cancel out that insanely quick reproduction rate from the Krogans. It is a truly terrifying weapon. We'll get into the scientific nitty gritty as to why in a little bit, but it effectively cancels out that, that, that reproductive rate by ensuring that not enough children are born. And it's dispersed via something called the Shroud. We are all familiar with the Shroud because of Mass Effect 3, where we use it to eventually disperse the cure of the genophage. But before it was dispersed, before the genophage itself was dispersed using the shroud, it was actually used and primarily used to stabilize Tuchanka, the Krogan homeworld, the atmosphere of that planet. Mm -hmm. So I find it a little bit uh painful the the poetic irony there right but like the salarians giveth and the salarians can take it away right yeah they they established this i mean basically it was a tool to do something good and then is wielded to do something very terrible yeah um and it's just kind of it, it's enlightening as to even though the salarians only wanted to use the weapon as a deterrent they still had no problem uplifting the Krogan in the first place when part of that was stabilizing Tuchanka's atmosphere from the nuclear winter. Mm -hmm. So I wonder 
to what degree do the Salarians also look down upon the Krogan as being a lesser species that needs uplifting? And oh, now yeah. that we've uplifted them, we we have the right, right to wield this deterrent. Right. I brought you into the world. I can take you out of it. Pretty much. You, where would you be mentality. without us? Right. That kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, it's it's just kind of painful to realize that, that they use this thing that was originally meant as a humanitarian, even though that word wouldn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> right. As a humanitarian measure uh, to help the people of Tuchanka. And then now they're they're threatening to use it to disperse uh, something that would decimate. Decimate isn't even an appropriate word either, because that no. means one out of every 10. It means one out of 10. It, this is more like 99%. Annihilate. This yeah. is annihilate. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Their numbers. So, but it was actually the Turians who pulled the trigger before extended negotiations could even take place. That's why I was referencing the World War II diplomatic cables. Mm -hmm. So the, the Turians so hastily, and we know this because of the Citadel DLC, the, the archives, um, they so hastily pull the trigger on this that it's kind of shocking. And it doesn't look like extended negotiations could take place. I'm, you know, if someone can correct me with some source in the lore that shows that they did go back and forth and the Krogan just wouldn't give up, uh, you know, good. I guess I could believe that. That is plausible. However, the Turians, and for all intents and purposes, didn't look hesitant to wield this extremely devastating weapon. And it makes sense because if you go back to our Turian episode, we talked about how they always practice this uh doctrine of overwhelming force right mm -hmm. they love pounding someone into submission mm -hmm. yes <laughs> that's very close to one of your other quotes but yes jesus christ that's jason Bourne. <laughs> that was the wrong sound effect <laughs> it was like, what was, okay sorry i thought that was the we'll be right back one um <laughs> Oh, brother, this guy stinks! <laughs> anyway. Pounding into submission. Okay, go, go they, on. They love, they love. Pounding. Pounding people. <laughs> into submission. Into submission. Right. <laughs> Man, we couldn't get like four episodes oh, away from no. the episode 100 before we went back to our gaffes again uh -uh, nope. i'm not even why am i including you on this it's my gaff <laughs> <laughs> i didn't do it this time guys <laughs> no, it's it mine um and i'll own up to it <laughs> so the turians they believe that uh the codex tells us that they believe not in simply defeating an enemy but to stop them from ever becoming a threat again Pounding into submission. Pounding them into submission. <laughs> right. The Turians pounded the humans into submission on Shanxi. Yeah, that stopped the humans from ever coming back. Oh, definitely. Well, they were stopped. They were held back by the council. At that moment. Yes, at that moment. Um, but because yeah, it didn't, it didn't quell the human uh, desire to push back against them and or, or for true. groups like Cerberus to form and, and think that they needed to control the galaxy or whatever, right? It's true. But the Turians were bombarding Shanxi from orbit and they were doing it to even eliminate small marine strike teams that they saw yeah. going through city streets. I mean, they're taking out entire city blocks right. for that. Right. So it, right. that gives you a good uh, optic of, of how um, the Turian military just overkill. 
Yeah. <laughs> just complete overkill. Right. right. Just completely um, destroy everything and give them no chance to even come back. Right. Um, so not really surprising from that perspective that the Turians pulled the trigger on the genophage right away. Right. And for this reason, I wonder if a lot of Krogan resentment toward the Salarians, at least from what I detected in the games, it almost seems like they re- they re- they resent both the Salarians and the Turians, but it seems like maybe the Salarians a little bit more. And I don't yeah. know if that's right. Yes, the Salarians definitely designed this thing, the right. genophage. Right. And so they definitely, I, if I were Krogan, I would resent them for that too. But I... You know, good luck trying to reason with them that, it, hey, you know, it was the Turians who pulled the trigger. Like, yeah, that's a yeah. I, and this is I mean, it's like the equivalent of like, well, he's he's the one who did it, but you're the one who told me to do it. But like, like right. OK, but he's maybe the, just he's the one who shot me. Right. But yeah. But you gave him a gun. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, OK, well, yeah. you're both in trouble. But yeah, I, I can see. And it, it totally makes I mean, you also have the history of the Solarians uplifting them and all of that. And which to go back to what you were talking about before is meddling with them 100 percent. Even even though they stop the nuclear winter, they help them survive. They're still meddling in things that they were never invited into do in the first place. Right. And they did it because it was a means to an end. You know, right. I I said earlier it was a humanitarian thing. It was a means to an end. They needed a, uh, a soldier. They needed yeah, they needed they needed soldiers yeah. to fight the Rachni. Yeah. So um, the Salarians in, in STG, the you know, which were effectively um, what the specters were modeled after and other law enforcement or military sectors will advocate that it wasn't designed to be so devastating but it causes a societal collapse on a society that was probably fragile to begin with. Right. So this Krogan natural aggression, and you combine that with this imminent sense of doom now because their numbers have been annihilated, leads to constant battles over female Krogan capable of giving birth to live offspring which undoubtedly leads to more death. Maybe some female Krogan caught in the crossfire or actively engaging in the battles, mm-hmm. which exacerbates the issue. Yeah. So, so, um, so, I mean, there's the female population is absolutely tiny. Like we can count on our, like one hand, the number of like, I mean, the, there's barely any left, right? Right. We we don't we well we only meet Eve in the game, right? Uh, and that could also be though because they are sequestered unto their own clans, right? Do we and see any in the background or in the? There are with you know I've been playing with mods so much lately that I forget what in. vanilla yeah. is like, yeah. and mods do add some. Um, but you know they rarely leave their home worlds. And after the genophage is implemented, they are treated extremely precious, uh, understandably. And, and apparently crimes against a female in Krogan tribal society are met with the harshest penalties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it um, makes so, sense. But there's another twofold factor. The psychology leads many Krogan to just say, screw it. We're doomed anyway. And for many of them, fighting war, fighting and war is really all they've ever known. So it's hard to say whether it's all nurture or some nature, too. But but many give up on concerted efforts to reproduce enough to grow the population. Um, For those who reserved enough hope, though, 
to give anything a try. We learn in Mass Effect 1 from Garrus, he tells us there's a lively black market trade in Krogan testicles. <laughs> oh, no. Because it's not confirmed and it's completely unsubstantiated, but there's a belief that testicle transplants can counteract the effects of the genophage. Right. Oh, man. This so much of this stuff is actually pulled from. I mean, uh, uh, there's not necessarily, I don't know of a black market trade in testicles of any sort, but <laughs> the idea that in extremely dire or sad situations people grasp onto whatever they can simply because they're they're looking for some hope and so you know sure that totally makes sense yeah and and you know merchants and capitalists take advantage of vulnerable populations absolutely uh, they do and yeah. so maybe the krogan testicle transplant market is uh taking advantage of the krogan's lack of hope and but the, this then the krogan's who lost their testicles to the trade Probably right. I probably mean, out I wonder, of their own want or desire. I wonder if the Turians are the ones selling the testicles because I and mean, harvesting it's one thing them to, because first they pound them into submission, right? <laughs> right. And then and then they sell them the testicles. Yeah, you got to pound every everywhere except for one specific location, so you don't ruin this, the product. Yeah, <laughs> this is actually how we learn that Krogan have four balls. By the way, <laughs> okay. Because Garrus says 40,000 for a full set. Yeah. yeah. And Shepard just, Math. you can let it go. <laughs> you can be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay. Four balls. <laughs> cool. Normal things. R double redundancy. <laughs> Triple redundancy. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So that's, that's the genophage so far, but there's more to it. There's the scientific stuff. And we're going to get to that after the mid break. So don't go anywhere. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, a anniversary diamond orb gear a bunch of other items it is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code maxpool m-a-x-p-o-o-l maxpool don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. Here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons for being freaking awesome. And we get to welcome some new patrons this week, including Luke the Duke, 1284, Grayson B., Nicole C., and Aaron J., Thank you to all of you for joining us, and I hope you are enjoying your bonus episodes, getting your episodes a day early, any of the other stuff that you get, depending on the tier that you're at. And um, that brings us up to 72 current patrons, and we have our Shepherd tier patrons to call out. Kolka Shins, Aaron J., welcome to, welcome to the Shepherd tier, Kira C., Lieutenant Ticino, Shep Vakirian, uh, that's Spectre J and William. Thank you to all of you guys and all 72 of our patrons for your support. If you are interested in joining us on the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. And just a reminder, we are only two weeks away because February is such a short month. We're, we're only two weeks away from our episode with our patrons this month. It's always the last Friday of the month from now on. So if you would like to join us, if you are currently a tier four or higher, uh, an N7 operative or higher, you're welcome to join us in two weeks. And you have time to sign up if you'd still like to join us and and share some of your topics, the things you like to discuss with us. We'd love to see your your ideas. Also, we have some new reviews. Check this out. We've got We've actually got a few, Sam. We've got like four new reviews to read out this week. Wow, do we really? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we got some from uh, uh, America's Hat. One of them is from Canada. Uh, but the rest are from the United States. This one's from the United States. It's from Adjshd, which is spelled A-J-J-S-H-D, who writes, really fun and interesting. I'm uh, in the beginning. Robots annoyed me, but I think he's growing on me. Well, that's Bruh. good. <laughs> This is like a running thing, I guess. Uh, And once I get to the more present episodes where he's hopefully finished the games, it should be even better. Well, thanks. I I appreciate you. (laughs) Thought on that and and giving me a chance to grow on you. I uh, thanks. (laughs) Okay, we've got one from uh, Thirsky Dog in Canada who writes, I'm Commander Thirsk and this is my favorite show on the Citadel. Such a great show. You guys have such good chemistry and Sam really knows his stuff. I just found you guys a couple days ago and I've been binging ever since. Love that you guys are, love what you guys are doing and keep it up. Thanks Thirsky. This one's from born to be N7 who writes, love it. I started listening to this podcast in just uh, last July and just signed up as a patron. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you guys for making quality content. I played my first playthrough uh, ever starting last July and just finished December 31st. Just snuck it in by the end of the year. And it helped me to get through a real rough time. After I finished Mass Effect 2 last August, I left for work for three months and couldn't play at all. So I listened to this podcast. It got me through those three months until I could come back home and play Mass Effect 3. Man, can, he did like a real world pause in a way that like we would have back in the day when the games came out, right? Yeah. But it wasn't years. It was just months in this case. Thank you guys for that. I appreciate your hard work and dedication to this community. And I am privileged to be a patron born to be N7, Kila Salai. 
Ah, born to be. That's awesome. I'm so glad you're joining us and enjoying the show and all of that. Um, and actually, you know what? That uh, there's one of these shows up twice. So that's it. There's three. I didn't realize until I looked again that it's exactly the same one that I already read out. But um, thank you, everybody, for taking the time to leave these reviews. And if you'd like to help us out and get your words on the show in the future, leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts and we'll read it out and you can always rate the show on Spotify and some other places all of that kind of stuff You guys know how that works. All right, let's get back to the show and talk about the science behind the genophage Spit it out or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought So those are the details about how the genophage worked and kind of the motivation behind it and all that Let's let's move into the scientific aspect. Yeah, so it's extremely difficult to talk about the genophage without addressing the historical context behind it and the ongoing social ramifications. But I mentioned how uh, we would talk about how exactly the genophage is so terrifying. Well, that's because it's like a genetic virus. It affects every cell in every Krogan. At least that's what we're told. Uh, but given the given that the, they use the shroud, what if some Krogan were away or in secluded off world locations when it was dispersed? I tried to dig into this. I couldn't find an answer. Uh, so it's not clear if it's contagious among Krogan. It's almost certainly hereditary. Uh, but I don't I don't know if it's, you know, like a contagion, like one Krogan can spread it to another like that. I would imagine um, I mean, being that it's viral, it probably is. Yeah, I would say highly likely, especially with the fact that we, to my knowledge, I can't remember a single Krogan in the original trilogy who did not have uh, the genophage. Right. And, and if that was the case, the ones who didn't have it, their testicles would be worth a whole lot more. <laughs> now, of course, we're, we're we're excluding Eve from that. But yeah, uh, all, all other Krogan. So, you know, we... We talked about this a while ago about why perhaps it was made in this way. Mm -hmm. We've talked about genetic engineering being a thing in the Mass Effect universe. The Salarians made the genophage this way so that it wouldn't be as easy to circumvent. You can't just go to gene therapy for this. Right. So the virus infects the body and alters the genes. And once those genes are altered, they can't change it back. It, it appears that it affects every cell in the body. I'm not sure if it's doing it on like a like a DNA RNA level, mm -hmm. um, but it affects every I would, cell. I would imagine so. I mean, the genes are part of the DNA. So <clears throat> so by corrupting every cell, it is now re basically rewriting the DNA across every cell in the body. It's uh, well, I, because if that were the case, then I'm not sure how the genophage would ever be cured. And it does say in the codex that the genophage could theoretically be cured if you were to if you were able to activate Krogan hormones enough to compensate. And so, okay, but now that, that that still makes sense. It still makes sense. So, okay, so like here, if we take it through the steps, you've got regular DNA, which is coded to. Uh, affect your reproduction rates at a certain rate, let's say 100%, right? And then a virus which engages with your body, infects all the cells in your body, recodes your DNA, which can happen, that there's real world precedence for this, and it affects the specific genes, and so now those specific genes only operate at like a 1% level, 
and mm. I think it's probably even less than that. But let's say it just for easy numbers, it's down to one percent level, right? Now, if you were to then affect and maybe those genes affect hormone levels, but then you were to treat the body by increasing the hormone levels back up to that hundred percent level, you've now basically reduced, but then rebalanced up. So the genes are still operating at a lower level uh, on one level, but something else is affecting the hormone level and pushing it back up to a normal rate. I wonder what the side effects of that would be. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, it doesn't sound like a, a blocking good, a great uptake of hormones. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Like maybe maybe it's a different gene in the genetic strand that activates the hormones or or affects the uptake of the hormones like you said like there yeah. are receptors in your brain and, and other parts of your body that affect the genes and my wife actually works on some of this stuff so if you were to reduce the reception of a gene but increase the prevalence of it, it you may actually hit an equilibrium point we should ask mrs robots about the gene page <laughs> yeah yeah we should ask her i don't know if she does anything with um, genes that have to do with like reproduction but um definitely brain stuff for sure well, it's it's so it's not regardless of how exactly it's affecting every cell, you can't really replace the whole body. <laughs> so right, right. that's the point. And, and it's not it's also not a sterility plague. So it's not like um, uh, what's that movie with Clive Owen where everyone is sterile? It's a oh, dystopian the, future. The, the last man something. What was it? What was that called? I forget the name, yeah. but it's yeah. it's eluding me right now. I know people are probably going to shout it in chat. If you're listening to this after the fact and you're in your car, you're shouting it at the radio, but I can't hear you. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, it's it's like it's not like that movie. It's not because in that in that movie, everyone is sterile. So you can't even conceive. Right. It doesn't just make a percentage of the population completely unable to conceive. That's not what this does. And this next part, I want to issue a trigger warning. We don't normally have to do this. But I think that this one is is so visceral and there is a decent portion of this population that has been through things like this. So so this part part is a trigger warning um, because birth and and ability to conceive and and all of that stuff. So if that's something that like feel free to skip ahead. Yeah, right. And so, okay, so the genophage actively prohibits fetal development past a certain point. And this must be the why the writers chose the name genophage, which translates from Greek roughly as eater of offspring. Most fetuses never develop nervous systems. Some do, some do, and are still stillborn. Mm-hmm. So Even that's not fewer... the only mechanism that keeps them from developing. Exactly. Even yeah. fewer survive through birth. Right, right. Um, so to put it quite bluntly, miscarriage and stillbirth become a very regular part of Krogan existence. Yeah, which is extremely tragic and explains how it could devastate a society. Can you imagine the collective repeated heartbreak of one in 1000 surviving? You said 1% earlier. Right. I wasn't going to correct you, but I wanted one. to let you go on. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, 0.1%. Yeah. No, like, no, that's that's extremely tragic. And just the amount of stress and I mean, it's, it's torment in a way. Yeah. And and of that, it is equivocal to torture. Yeah. It's an ongoing, right. Right. widespread mass torture right. for the Krogan. And and of that, how of the one in 1000, how many are being born female? Uh, no. Right. <laughs> I, I, you would guess half, 
Um, yeah, but, statistically, it would be like 51% or something like that. Right. But after a nuclear winter, after all of the uh, actually things let, that we would consider nurture. Let me, let me revise that number. Um, more uh, in the human population, more children come to term who are male than female. Or it's something like this. More, no, more children who are conceived male, but more children come to term female. Something like that. Look it up. Mm. There's there's a weird discrepancy which actually makes it not exactly 50-50, but uh, forces the number off a little bit. Anyway, there's, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, you would assume around 50%. You would assume around 50%. I'm not sure about Krogan biology in that way. Um, but I think Rex, you know, given all of this, Rex says something along the lines of, why bother? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you're just going to you're just going to be sad. Like you're just going to get her. your hopes up to be oh, yeah. tragically Right. Well, and pounded and the female has to again. has to go through all the the dilemma of a miscarriage or, and any of the physical side effects of all of that emotional, physical, like the whole thing is just absolutely tragic. Right. Like so, I'm reminded of the Turian principle: never let your enemy become a threat again. And I'm disgusted by it, um, because this targeted non-combatants. Though I'm sure the hierarchy and some in the Salarian Union would argue that all Krogan were combatants, right. which is also something that we've heard in real life military uh, yeah. exchanges. Yeah, before. yeah. In World War II, the, the phrase was coined total war. The idea mm -hmm. that your enemy isn't just the military facil facilities. It is the the civilian factories and, and maybe even the homes of the people who help promote the war effort and that's what justified for example the united states with nuclear bombs but even before that the 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 firebombing of certain locations or the germans sending planes over london it was this justification of if we're going to win we have to stop the war mechanism at its source and total war has been a fierce sense Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it really it's, it's up happening in the Cold today. War. There are places in the world today where it's still happening. I was just going to reference Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, Putin is leading a total war against and, and, you know, a veritable genocide against the Ukrainian people. Yep. Uh, because they've quite explicitly said we are intending to de-Ukraine Ukraine. Ukraine. Uh, yeah. And it's disgusting. This kind of make sure your enemy never becomes a threat again. Right. It's right. It's on a micro level, on a very micro level. It's kicking someone when they're down. It's, you know, not, and then, and then not, punching their grandma, like, right. Like, <laughs> and going after everybody else who also lives it's continuing to fight someone who's unconscious is the equivalent yeah, of it. And yeah. it's like, what the hell? But that's, <sighs> that's a topic for another day. Right. But so, okay. So, but we get through all of this and it's not the end of everything because Thanks to our, our good buddy Morton, he he cures the genophage. He redeems himself, or at least this is one of the paths you can, can play through. Yes, you right. can let this happen. Right. Um, it can be cured. I'm going to say cured in quotes mm -hmm. for those listening, not seeing me on video. Uh, it can be cured in a few ways. Technically, Saren in quotes cures it first. That's how we're told he's able to build his Krogan army on Vermeer. And ultimately, <clears throat> that is why Caden or Ashley dies setting off the nuke to destroy that facility. But we later learn that there was no cure, really. It was a cloning facility. So not really the same. Not, it's not bearing children and growing them up. It's cloning 
individual it's for military purposes to be part of your war effort to be soldiers right using them as tools yet again right uh which is the rationale which you can use with rex if you've gathered his family armor or pass the speech check and he'll he'll see it um so it's not it's not the same so that's why i said cures in quotes right Um, but for morden yes he cures the genophage if you allow him but it's not before he works to alter it to remain in effect. Okay. So he worked on the genophage before, before he cured it, but he was on the other side. He was trying to make it so that it was still relevant because the Krogan were adapting to overcome the effects of the genophage and that his work with the STG was in part to edit the nature of these mutations to remain just as deadly. Mm. To keep that one in 1,000 Keep, keep dialing it in, yeah. Right. He was uh, calibrating, so to speak. <laughs> calibrating, yes. Um, oh, no. So, you know, before we met him, we learn of his work on that project. I'll save the details for when we cover his character episode. But in Mass Effect 2, he staunchly defends it. He takes pride in his decision to help keep Krogan population levels down until we get to the loyalty mission. And it's not clear how... Exactly. He and his team managed to do this, though, and I understand that Morden's prior work was addressed in the comics. So before you all jump on my case and say, well, actually, Sam, I do know. And we will cover it when we get to Morden's episode. But about the genophage, that changes when we come to Mass Effect 3, uh, where depending on your choices along the way, I mean, you can be a total backstabbing asswipe if you want to be <laughs> it's your prerogative it's a it's an rpg game how do you really feel about that i'm bashful you know i <laughs> very bashful um you can back you can backstab and sabotage the genophage cure is it, did you ever do that in, in any of your no i i never i can no, never. i can't bring myself to do that i could never but it's an option and you can do it um and so, or, but most people help Morden cure the genophage once and for all, mm-hmm. uh, using or not using Malin's data from Mass Effect 2. Uh, and Eve, who's believed to be the last fertile female Krogan, though that claim is very hard to substantiate, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you would have to gather every one of them together and test them thoroughly in order to make sure that <laughs> none of them absolutely can have any more children. During right? a Reaper war. Yeah. During the, so, know, the middle of this big conflict and across the entire galaxy, all of that. So, But it makes for a good story. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. Um, sure. But so, so, okay, yeah. but so there's a third way. You mentioned three ways. Yes. This is something that occurred to me during my partner's last playthrough. At the very end, she chose Synthesis. And if you choose synthesis at the end of Mass Effect 3, it doesn't matter whether you sabotaged the cure. You can effectively cure the genophage anyway. And this is something that, you know, I'm just learning about, so I'm guessing I'm not alone in that. There must be some other Mass Effect players who are like, huh? You can cure the genophage even if you sabotage the cure. And hey, maybe you can keep Morden alive in the process too. So the synthesis ending basically overwrites... things in a way where yeah there's some very specific things that you'll have to do along the way um one obviously you need to make sure morden doesn't die in in mass effect 2 i think he's capable of dying i think actually he's pretty high on the death list um and you also need to make sure that you played mass effect 1 and you kept rex alive okay and then you can convince morden to stand down Mm mm-hmm 
if you convince Morden to stand down and you've sabotaged the genophage and you get to the very end and somehow you have enough galactic readiness points to unlock the synthesis synthesis ending, everyone's becoming part synthetic and organic anyway. So the genophage doesn't matter. Right, right. Yeah, it, yeah, things things just work fundamentally different from that point on. Okay, but but what about Andromeda, right? Like, they leave before any cure happens. Are the Krogan there still infected? Like, how does this work? Yes, so that was kind of a writing necessity, I think, for the team. You know, I, I haven't heard any interviews of writers talking about it, but it just appears that it had to be a writing necessity because if you have this group that's going to another galaxy and they need to spin cryo for 600 some years and their their mission is to populate that galaxy, mm-hmm. then you kind of can't have a one in 1000 birth rate. Right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like why even have any Krogan on the ship? That sounds tragic for them. All you would the way. have to have a massive amount of Krogan to start with. Right. Going there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and ones that want to volunteer to be basically test subjects and have a traumatic life of not being able to carry children to term right which we already know most krogan are not going to be scientifically inclined or exploratory inclined most krogan in the milky way we learn are you know drawn to the mercenary life so Mm -hmm. not going to be an attractive prospect teaming up with the initiative but they came up with a good in-universe lore friendly explanation uh you remember how i said that krogan were evolving to overcome the genophage mm-hmm. well it appears some of those colonists had that gen- that genetic mutation and then they underwent gene therapy to boost that mutation for around 600 years oh okay okay so no longer was it a one in 1000 chance for them it actually became one in 25 so, which I mean, is still horrendous odds still terrible but, but way better much better much higher percentage um yeah yeah okay I, eh, yeah, I guess that works. I mean, it's a, it's a clever solution. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I see someone, uh, Facundo in chat here says, if you sabotage the cure, Rex dies. Yes, that's true. Uh, because he eventually finds out and confronts you in the Citadel. It's a very heartbreaking scene. And I highly don't, I, I don't recommend anyone play that more than once. <laughs> um, right. I recommend everyone plays the game in every kind of way they can at least once. Um, but that one is tough to watch and rex does die however i'm saying going into the uh tuchanka mission where you cure the genophage rex needs to be alive at that point at that point but not by the dlc yeah right yeah so yeah okay well man this is this is really cool it's a really cool uh look into this and it segues very well into another doctor who we haven't talked about yet for for at least their own episode kind of amazing how they segue into each other like that. It's almost like it was planned. Um, Weird. (laughs) We're talking about Dr. Morden Solis. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, man, I I like Morden. I like he's obviously did some terrible things in the past, but he's got a wonderful arc. Uh, His voice acting is really interesting. You know, like you've got like, yes, all of all of that stuff. Like he's a cool character. So I'm looking forward to this. Um, But before we head out, you got anything else you want to share? Uh, yeah, I'm streaming. In fact, I'm streaming right after this episode right now um, because I normally stream on Saturdays. I'm not going to be able to do that one tomorrow, um, but I am streaming Neutral Shepherd. Neutral Shepherd is blazing through Mass Effect 2 because, <laughs> because I realized he's not doing if, anything because he's not doing anything because he doesn't have the motivation to do any of the side missions. He just wants to get through it. He's, in fact, a little disappointed he was revived in the first place. <laughs> 
and <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah. he's just over it. And man, that game goes quick, and you find yourself outmatched. Pro tip for anyone: I wish I hadn't have done this, but I've committed to it the bit, and I'm going to stick to it now. Don't do neutral on insanity. <laughs> Don't do a lazy insanity playthrough. Oh God. Because I am getting rubber banded by the leveling, you know? Oh, and yeah. I'm not researching anything other than my own guns and armor. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't You're intend not finding to. anything in any of the locations that you would be discovering extra stuff. You know, like, I'm not planning on getting any of the ship upgrades because that's just too much work. You're not getting all the XP for from doing all the side missions. Yes. Yeah. Not getting the XP. You name it. Oof. And so it's been tough. Um, but yeah, I'm streaming that uh, typically every Saturday from six to nine Eastern. And I'm also continuing my Andromeda playthrough, which is equally burdensome because insanity is hard oh, on Andromeda. I bet. I bet. Um, and that's on Thursdays. And you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at In7TheLegend. Awesome. Yeah. And all of my stuff, all my other shows, robotsradio.net. Uh, you can check out all that stuff if you're into Fallout, Elder Scrolls. Um, Lord of the Rings, The Witcher, Starfield, which we still haven't. I thought we would have a release date for sure by today's episode, but still no news on that. But I know you guys are going to enjoy playing Starfield as well. So um, look forward to seeing you around in other places and hanging out on the Discord and all that kind of stuff. So thank you for being here, everybody. Chat, thank you for joining us. And until next time, stay safe in the galaxy. It's a crazy place out there. We'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.